come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. Western Front. Just had to get a little liquid refreshment. And we're off. It's the podcast from outer space once again. Here with your boy Adam Narlock. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Ryan Scott, as always. Greetings, Earthlings. And it's me, Rob Scott, back again. And we're talking about UFOs tonight. Once again, boys. Mount Shasta in particular. Covered it a little bit before, but... uh we're diving in deep tonight, boys. Yes, um, this is actually brought to you by Shasta Cola. Ooh. We're drinking some Shasta right now, and uh, back to Aliens. It's been a while since we've been in the lab, had some scheduling conflicts. Uh, 2018's off to a rough start, guys, I'm gonna be honest. Oh, well, it's not that bad. And, it sucks. And, uh... <laughs> So we are finally back in the lab, uh, done some great research for you guys. You know, we want to c- deliver a, a top-notch content-worthy episode to you guys. So we didn't just want to throw some bull crap together. You know, me and Adam thought about getting in the lab, doing one without Rob, but... Couldn't you know, do it. Yeah, no man left Real behind. douchebag move. No man left behind. We didn't do that, <laughs> which is why we're you here thought tonight. about it, though. You were damn near close. Well, you know, at the end of the day, there's getting it done and there's not getting well, it Well, you literally asked me, hey, is it cool if we do it without you tonight? And did we? No, no. we did not. Hashtag me too. Hashtag no one left <laughs> Now. Wow, dude. Um, so back to aliens this week, Mount Shasta. We're going to dive right into the background history of one of the top hotbeds for UFO sightings, encounters, and many other myths, legends, lore, and reality. Mm. Now, if you didn't know, this ain't your grandfather's soda we're talking about. This is our soda that we're drinking right now. Um, (laughs) We're not talking about the BYU mascot either. Fun fact, though, Mount Shasta is one of the, actually, I would say the only alien hotbed to have a soda named after it, correct? Because Shasta soda is named after the spring surrounding Mount Shasta. I did not know that. What about Mountain Dew? Is that what? What's the connection to aliens? There's it's, a mountain and it's green. Uh, it's green, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but is Sorry, it? Aliens. They specifically said we named Mountain Dew after aliens. Uh, what do you think? I did research or something. <laughs> <laughs> so the research for this episode uh, comes from MountShastaSpirit.org. UFOdigest.com, LemurianConnection.com, RightHemispheric.com, UFOs Over California, which is a great book by Preston Dennett, and Mount Shasta's Forgotten History and Legends by Dustin Naif. Is that how you would say N-A-E-F? I think it's like Pinky in the Brain. Narf! (laughs) Okay. So, let's jump right into it, guys. Located in... Siskoyu. Oh, also, um, just a disclaimer: we're probably going to butcher all of these Native American names. Do you guys have a reading on that? 
No, I agree with you. They were Siskiyou. Gonna, we're gonna butcher some names that Northern California is gonna want to break off from Southern. Cal- we're gonna be the one. We're gonna be the catalyst that starts revolution. Located in Siskiyou County in Northern California, it's about sixty miles from the Oregon border. Siskiyou. There is Mount Shasta. So this is an extinct volcano with a height just over 14,000 feet above sea level. And just for some perspective, the Empire State Building is about uh, 1,250 feet. Oh my so Mount Shasta is said to be one of the most sacred places on Earth, according to LemurianConnection.com, and one of the seven sacred mountains of the world... The other six being Mount Everest, Mount Vesuvius, Mount Sinai, Manu Keu. Is that how you would say that? Hawaiian? That's that Hawaiian mountain. Uh, Hawaiian. <laughs> Mount Kalish and Uluru. Really? No Kilimanjaro? There, there's some, I got some questions about this list. Yo, inter- these are the seven sacred mountains of the world, that's man. That's interesting. Although I did see some list that had Mount Olympus on it. Okay, yeah. See, I would Greek think. Gods. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you listen to our previous episode on California UFOs, we did briefly cover Mount Shasta, as Rob mentioned earlier, uh, and some of the early UFO sightings in California. Now, after some digging, as we said in the last episode, this would be enough for a full episode. So, um, Legends indicate that ancient tribes believed Mount Shasta was the center of creation. Native American descendants of the ancient tribes still carry out rituals in honor of the mountain and its spiritual power it is believed to possess. The Hopi Native Americans have legends about a vast network of caves and a city under Mount Shasta where reptilian creatures are said to live. Mm. Now, as we all know, reptilians are also a race of aliens said to be living amongst us on spaceship Mother Earth. Now, the area around the mountain is one of the longest continually occupied regions in North America with archaeological digs dating artifacts back to 11,000 years ago. Whoa. Now, as reported by Preston Dennett in his book, UFOs Over California, um, the first modern quote-unquote, wave of UFO sightings comes from around the Mount Shasta area and is still an active hotbed for sightings to this day, Um, i.e., one of our, this could be one of our just Googlets. Now, let me tell you, let me see what your guys take on this. You seen these 2016 Sky Portal photographs? Bet your ass I have. I'll put them up on the uh, Instagram. Um, Now, these are probably some of the most recent sightings. I think I have one uh, story in here from just last year. But uh, what makes the, all the sightings around uh, Mount Shasta interesting is that many times the aliens or entities are reported as living inside the mountain. Mm. And there are several firsthand accounts that state this much. Starting in the late 1800s, some of the locals, would they be... Shastaites. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Or Shastans. Shastaites, that seems. Now, what are you thinking of that sky portal? Yo, I'm just telling you, man, going back to my own personal. I mean, I've had two now, right here in Southern California. <laughs> I don't it, know if we consider that. Other. Dude, that last time when we were talking about aliens and we see them yellow lights come through the blinds. That was yeah. a Christmas light. 
No way. Not the way it was I moving. I just saw a yellow light. Yeah, hey, I'm telling you, aliens, they're, they're on to us. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, though, that one time in the sky around New Year's, there was three, like, in a triangular shape, red lights. That dude. Sky portal. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. So, back to uh, the Shasta sightings and the uh, beings living inside the mountains. So, the Shastaites reported encounters with strange individuals. This is in the 1800s who visited local towns and came from the forest surrounding the mountain. Now, what was so strange about these people, you may ask? They were described as tall, graceful, and agile, like a NFL wide receiver. <laughs> uh, they have large foreheads and long, curly hair and wore bizarre clothes, like headdresses with special attachments that came from the forehead to the bridge of the nose. These individuals would often trade golden nuggets and gold dust for supplies. Gold dust? Yeah. Like gold slick vodka. That's yeah, we were the same. <laughs> now uh, those. this came from a store owner in Weed, California, who said often these supplies purchased were much lower in value than the gold being traded. And they wouldn't accept any change claiming that gold was of no value and where they come from and they had no need for money of any kind. Now, this reminded me exactly of Stepsister from Planet Weird. You remember that movie where the girl's like a bubble? Disney? I was going to say this mm. was a Disney one, right? Was Tom Green in that? It's a Disney movie? I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> the guy looked like Tom Green. And like remember he said like, these diamonds, like they're they mean nothing where we come from. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Okay. Well we'll have to watch the scene again. Anyways. Oh yeah, I definitely movie. remember that movie. <laughs> yeah, so uh once uh these stories began to gain some momentum around town, uh people started doing some research and exploration around the foothills of the mountain. Uh some reported coming across areas that glowed with powerful illumination. And there was no trace or source anywhere to be found. Countless encounters are documented, some hearing strange music, and others were temporarily paralyzed and confronted by a heavily covered and concealed person who would lift them up, turn them away. Some reported seeing strange cattle unlike anything in the U.S. Hmm. Others claim to have had encounters with tall, friendly beings dressed in robes and would hold deep conversations about philosophy, love, spirituality, and the fate of the planet. These beings were reported to speak perfect English with a slight British accent. Uh, now, this sounds very similar to the Nordic race of aliens um, and some encounters that we'll uh, get into later. Sound very different than the uh, aliens that come from down south. Yes. Okay. Not those aliens. They're not illegal. Oh. <laughs> now, these guys uh, are British. They're very classy. <laughs> yeah. They got robes on. Pinky out while they're drinking tea. Now, naturally, more and more people began to flock to the area in order to check this out for themselves. Some tried to hunt down these creatures in order to gain photographic evidence, but in each case, they would be outrun or the strangers would simply vanish. Now, uh, strange activity occurred up through the 1930s, and this was when much of the UFO sightings began to come along. 
Um, as we talked about in our last episode, this is really sort of the beginning of the golden age of UFO sightings in America. And along with these reports, um, also reports of electromagnetic energy affecting the uh, automobiles in the area. Now, Rob, does this have any connection to the pyramids? I know you're a big pyramid guy. I don't know, man. Now, I saw that uh, Joseph Farrell wrote in his book, He's a Death Star, that um, some Sumerian accounts say that they raided the pyramids of Egypt and smashed large crystal arrays that were housed in the giant square holes next to the walls, if you've ever seen pictures from inside. He said they were all pulsating with different sounds, but the Sumerian raiders smashed the crystals to bits. Sounds a lot like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was going to say it sounds a lot like uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, man. Yeah, he theorized that uh, the Great Pyramid was a giant weapon, electromagnetic, like sound vibrations. Now, I believe this could have been some sort of teleportation device. That would make a lot of sense. a portal to another dimension. Well, while we're on the topic of pyramids, I do think that they're related to aliens. I don't know if this has anything to do with electromagnetic energy, though. Now, do you think that you could do enough research for a pyramid episode? I think there's plenty of research I could do for a a pyramid episode. I would love... I mean, are you familiar? I'm trying to find this right now. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been to the pyramids in Egypt, but I went to some of those Mayan ruins down in Mexico, dude. There's no fucking way that guys were building those back in the, like... You don't think so? 500, 600 thousands of years ago. They were bored. They had nothing else to do. <laughs> so, oh yeah, we're just going to move around these fucking five ton rocks and perfectly place them into a pyramid? Yeah, they had to keep the slaves busy somehow. That's right, man. It's yeah, like but a, the Mayans didn't have slaves like that. It wasn't... You don't think there was some kind of slavery in Mayan culture? I mean, they I... They chopped people's again, heads I'd have off, to do research, but I'm pretty sure that most of those were like sacred temples that they're building to the gods. And uh, they had slaves build them. Oh, maybe they're the slaves to the aliens. Now, are you familiar with... Uh, I'm not. I'm trying to find a map here. Are you familiar with, like, the layout of, like, the pyramids in Egypt, like, where they're located geographically and stuff? Oh, yeah, like they align with the North Star and is stuff? That what it, is that what it is? Yeah. There's not... I see. I was trying to see if there's, like, a layout. I'm telling you, if it's a triangle, that'd be too much for me. I don't know if I could do an episode on that. My, my brain would explode. It is a triangle. Okay, so back to Shasta. We're going to do another uh, pyramid episode. So in 1931, <laughs> We're gonna get to that later. a uh, forest fire swept across Mount Shasta, and this fire was suddenly stopped from spreading by a mysterious fog that reportedly arose from nowhere. And was the influence for Stephen King's novel, The Mist. Now, <laughs> this fog created a fire line of charred and damaged trees that was an exact curve in correlation with the central timeline zone. You believe that? I'm just trying to picture that, man. That blows my mind. I'm telling you, there's too much going on right now. I'm not. Mm. There are hundreds of UFO sightings around Mount Shasta. Many include a large boat-like craft flying high over the valley and then seen going into the Pacific Ocean at the shore and continuing out to sea. And one sighting claims to have seen a silver vessel, remember that, silver, emitting no noise or emissions trail 
and it would just hover and then disappear. Now, this next report I pulled straight from a New Fork website, which is the National UFO Research Center, and this was given by an airline pilot, an airline captain, dated February 16th, 2015. Now, Rob, you want to read this for us? I can. Going for it? Yes. <laughs> I'm an airline captain. My co-pilot and I were on our way from LAX to PDX at FL380, and we're in the Mount Shasta area. It was a smooth flight. Very little ATC communications were going on. Decided to look up at the night sky for falling stars and or satellites passing overhead. We were heading about 310 degrees in our 2 o'clock high, maybe 50 degrees up from the horizon. I noticed two brighter than normal stars. And mentioned to my co-pilot, I don't ever remember seeing stars that bright than the surrounding stars in the background. Those two lights were approximately an inch apart. Just as I said that one of the stars, quote unquote, just dimmed out over about a 10 second time span followed by the other star dimming out completely in about 10 seconds also. The stars now obviously lights were not in motion. They were not satellites and they were not falling stars. They were as stationary as the stars in the background. We were flying in crystal clear skies and were not flying through any clouds whatsoever. These two lights were not following the typical west to east orbital path as most satellites do and were just sitting there kind of like ships hiding in plain sight. The altitude of the lights appeared to be outside the atmosphere. We we're flying at 38,000 approximately seven miles up and these were at least a hundred thousand feet up the thing was they were extremely bright and not moving mankind does not have craft that can fly at that altitude and not be moving period now that's from a airline captain guys so you know it's legit yes and i like that little um was that rod sterling reading that that's what i was going for i like it man how about this uh just sitting there kind of like ships hiding in plain sight man i got some goosebumps there Yo, think about how many stars you see up there. Could just be aliens monitoring us, man. Do you get those goosebumps every time? <laughs> now, now this is where things get a little strange, guys. As if <laughs> the two UFOs hovering the sky aren't strange so, enough. Some theories claim that Mount Shasta is a UFO refueling base. Now, what are your thoughts thus far on Mount Shasta? I mean, have you guys ever been up there? I've driven want to through. Now. Yeah, I've driven through. I've never. I've been to Weed. Yeah, I've been great little weed. town. <laughs> Ryan goes there almost every weekend. Now, I mean, when I was driving through there, dude, I never would have thought there's all this stuff going on. It, it seems like a nice, peaceful little place, but now that I'm reading all this stuff, maybe it's kind of uh, Stepford Wives ish. It's too perfect. Oh, you think you robots know. too? Robots, robots dude. The aliens? Bigfoot. Now, <laughs> as, uh, so some say it's a UFO refueling base. Um, as strange pulsating lights and multiple synchronized lights, just like the lights you saw, Adam. It's Christmas have been, lights, apparently. Have been, no, that was the other one. In, uh, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. up in the night sky. So uh, um, they have been reported over the past 50 decades by some very credible witnesses, i.e. airline captain from before. Now, many people report seeing strange lights on the mountain itself. And... Um, one explanation is that there are spacecrafts coming and going constantly from a spaceport deep within the mountain, as others say that Mount Shasta is embraced in a gigantic purple pyramid only visible on another frequency that is only the most in-tune psychics can see, and this capstone reaches far beyond this planet 
into space and connects us intergalactically with the confederation of planets for this sector of the Milky Way galaxy, as Mount Shasta is also an interplanetary and intergalactic multidimensional portal. That makes sense. <laughs> I need one of these guys to send me a postcard from Mount Shasta, you know? Yeah. All, someone went to Mount Shasta and all I got was this crummy t-shirt. Just a big purple pyramid on it. <laughs> yes, but it's on another frequency. Only in-tuned psychics can see this. That sounds like some shit that I would hear at that rock store that you made me go to that one time. Well, yes, these guys are into a lot of crystals. I did get this off of LumerianConnection.com. Sacred G. So now, by far the most popular Mount Shasta lore, uh, this one comes from UFO Digest, is in connection with the alleged survivors of the mythical land of Lemuria, which was a lost civilization. It was a giant continent bridging the Indian and Pacific Oceans that sank some 12,000 years ago. And this connection between Mount Shasta and Lemuria came in 1905 with the publication of Frederick S. Oliver's book, a dweller on two planets. Now, have you taken the time to read this? Now, I was reading certain excerpts from it. A lot of it, I will be honest, I don't understand. Um, this is, here we go. I got, I pulled his story though. What are you speaking Greek? Yes. Now, you can tell me if you understand anything about um, anti gravity, um, you know, like uh, what's, what's like um, next level math? Like above trigonometry. I didn't make it that far, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Adam? Oh, I remember after Algebra 2 was a class where we ate brownies and learned how to count cards. So. Okay. So wasn't geometry, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so uh, Oliver's Tale begins in... Uh, now, see, I felt like when I was reading this stuff, I felt like Tom DeLonge on freaking Rogan's podcast talking about like shooting electromagnets at a sheet of metal. <sighs> Have you listened to that yet? No. Okay, so we'll we'll get back to this. This Oliver fellow, his tale begins in 1886 uh, when he was a strapping young lad helping survey his parents' land when suddenly something seemed to take control of his hand and he began spasming uncontrollably. He ran home in terror and his mother uh, fetched paper as she theorized his hand was trying to write something out. Now, this happened... uh, on and off for a period of over three years. And in 1895, he finalized the manuscript that became A Dweller on Two Planets. And this was uh, one of the first occult books to become popular in the U.S. And Oliver described this experience as himself being channeled as the scribe for a Lemurian spirit named Phylos. Now, what... Now, that sounds like a great um, Disney movie, I will say. Oh, yeah. And what made this story so popular and credible was that it was light years ahead of its time. And written by such a young man, he was in um, around his early 20s, uh, the period he was writing this, and spoke to such things as anti-gravity, mass transit, zero-point energy, and most importantly, those cigar-shaped flying machines that we mentioned earlier now this is very similar to the 20th century ufo reports and uh listen to him describe the beings more than seven feet tall long flowing hair lean graceful bodies they wore white robes lined with sacred stones this is starting to sound a lot like uh the last thor movie i saw 
Rangarok? I think that was that was it, right? Ragnarok? The newest one? With Hulk. I did not see that. I did not see that. I heard I it was think bad. It, no, I mean it. Dark World? No, I think that was the second one. I don't remember. I got to go back and look. Anyway. If you're into those sort of movies. Dark World was cool. the second one. Rangarok is the newest the third, one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. Okay, so according to Oliver slash Phylos, um, floating in the sky directly above Mount Shasta is yet another Lemurian city uh, quote, the crystal city of light of the seven rays. There it is. There's your movie title, Disney. That's the <laughs> sequel to Phylos. <laughs> now, it's visible only to the most in tune human psychics, once again, who describe it as a huge floating purple pyramid and the point of which extends into space from within the crystal city and the Lemurians operate interplanetary interdimensional spaceships called the Silver Fleet. Just like these silver UFOs people keep seeing, huh? Mm. I don't want to discredit the research, but are we sure this guy wasn't just tripping his balls off when he was writing this? Even if he was, look at Philip K. Dick. Dude, we need to copyright this movie and bring it to Disney with our Star Wars script. <laughs> now, yes. D- yes. <laughs> <laughs> our Star Wars script. It would be... Which up. I spent all week writing. <laughs> now, would, would it be similar to like Lilo and Stitch? No. You think... I mean, little alien friend there's befriends a young girl. Well, now, is this going to be animated or live action? Well, there's a whole other thing. Oh, E.T. See, this could have been the basis for a lot of movies that we just don't even know about. It'd be easier to do animation, I think, honestly. Yes. Well, you can do all the animating. Ryan can write the story, and I'll just cash in. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, <You're> the manager, <laughs> the producer. <laughs> Do we have to have our shirt off the whole time for this? Or? <laughs> okay, so we'll hop right into another story uh, around the same time. Uh, this is the J.C. Brown story, or should we say the J.C. Brown mystery? Now, this is from righthemispheric.com, and the tale begins in 1904, about 18 years after Oliver's first contact with the so-called Lemurian spirit. And... Um, this guy, J.C. Brown, he was an employee of a mining company, and uh, Brown was sent to search for possible untapped areas where gold could be up in the Cascades. I had to get his hands on some gold dust to trade with. Yes, <laughs> some gold dust to snort. And uh, <laughs> this asshole was basically climbing along the edge of an undisclosed cliff somewhere by himself, classic, and on Mount Shasta when he noticed an oddly shaped rock formation and upon further inspection revealed an entrance, a downward-sloping cave, and he descended into this cave nearly 11 miles, finding copper and gold ore on his way down. So that wasn't enough? He was like, oh, I found some gold. I'll keep going. Yeah. I found some Hold copper. Yeah. 11 Wait. miles? Yeah. You believe that? How long How long was he? Yeah, how much well, rope did this guy have here. <laughs> And I'm surprised at J.C. Brown. He went 11 <laughs> miles in this cave. Now... He says he hit um, gold and and uh, copper ore at about three miles down. Okay. What and about he, silver copper? No silver copper. <laughs> and uh, then he came across at the 11-mile mark what he calls the quote-unquote village. And he describes this area as filled with rooms and chambers, some resembling a temple or sanctuary type place. And in these rooms hung copper and gold plates with hieroglyphic type etchings. He also reported finding some 27 skeletons, 
some mummified ranging from six foot six to ten feet tall. And one of them was taking a shower. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that sounds like some crystal skull shit to me. Yeah, yeah, So he found all these mummified aliens. He said two of them were like separated out like they were a king and queen type. And upon making his way out of the cave, so he just stayed down in there and tried to like imprint all this stuff in his mind, he says, whatever the hell that means. And um, upon making his way out of the cave, he began researching the Lemurian civilization for some 30 years. Says he was frightful to venture back as uh, he describes people tracking and um, wanting to harm him since this experience. It's the uh, Department of Energy. Yes, yeah, man. some type of government entity probably, some secret group that's in connection that has a treaty with these aliens. Yep. Now, now do we go to Mount Shasta and try and find this portal cave? We could. I ain't going 11 miles in the cave. All right, maybe I will. Well, now check this out. In 1934, at age 79, Brown spent six weeks planning a return exploration to the cave. He gathered more than 80 people to journey with him. Some of them quit their jobs. And on the morning of June 19, 1934, the exploration team was set to venture off. Brown disappeared and was never heard from nor any trace ever found of him. That's crazy, man. Government probably killed him, man. They didn't want this stuff coming out. Had a rat in the group. Yep. Probably. 80 people. Can't trust everyone. (laughs) Now, people say that the Lemurians, uh, they quote-unquote chose Shasta because it's um, the earthly incarnation of the great central sun, the source of all physical and spiritual energy in the universe. Now, prior to the sinking of uh, their continent... These ancient beings use their mastery of energy, crystals, sound, and vibrations, just like the pyramids, um, and hollowed out a vast underground city with the intention of preserving their culture. Now, their treasures and their records of ancient Earth's history, um, this history has been lost since the sinking of Atlantis, and the Lemurians supposedly have mastered atomic energy telepathic and clairvoyant skills, electronics, and science as long as 18,000 years ago. Now, today, they have, like we said, the Silver Fleet, uh, which they come in and out of the mountain going into space. They also have the ability to make their spaceships invisible and soundless to avoid being detected by the local and national military. Mount Shasta... (laughs) is not only a home for the Lemurians, but also little people, often referred to as the little people of Mount Shasta. <laughs> Do they prefer little people or midgets? The midgets of Mount Shasta <laughs> that, rolls that off the tongue. Off the tongue much what about munchkins of Mount Shasta? Ooh. The Wizard of Oz. Lollipop Guild of Mount Shasta. <laughs> now, uh, the they're... purple people. Mount Shasta. Okay, so the little people of Mount Shasta. Take um, your shirt off. (laughs) They are very often seen around the mountain. Uh, They are said to be third dimensional beings, just like humans, but they live on a slightly higher level of the third dimension, such as third and one half level. And they. We're like upside down. 
Well, yeah, they have the ability to make themselves visible and invisible at will, just like Bigfoot in this pamphlet I was reading earlier. <laughs> the Bigfoot? Yes. Now, uh, there are also Native American, help me out with that one, Rob, Wintu? Wintu. Wintu legend that speak about these little guys. And they are often mysterious beings who are older and wiser than humans, roughly the size of children. And the legends of these little guys are consistent throughout Western, the Western Hemisphere of North America. And in addition to the Wintu, uh, there are variations and descriptions of them found in traditions of the Yorok, the Pitt River, and the Karku tribes. That would be... Karuk. Please forgive Karuk. us. We're trying our best here. We're not wearing Chief Wahoo hats or Redskin shirts right now, so cut us some break. Now, another legend tells of groups called the Yaktavians, who are reportedly the great bell makers who use their sound and vibration to manipulate many aspects of life and dimensions of sensory perception, just like those pyramid crystals, right, guys? Oh, yeah. So what's up with these little guys running around? Those little guys? I don't want to worry about those little guys. (laughs) They're just reported through all these different uh, Native American tribes. These little guys are like little... uh, Well, now I'm second-guessing going up there because I don't want to be running into a bunch of little freaking guys. Well, apparently they're very scared of humans. Like They used to live peacefully with these tribes and something happened to them. Nobody knows. Thanks a lot, Donald Trump. Oh, wait, I thought we were getting political on this podcast. We just went there. Can you, uh, you did all this research. I'll edit that out. Yaktavians? Yaktavians? Yeah. Uh, any, I mean, obviously they live around Shasta. Any information? I think they, they live inside. inside. No information. These are just some of the lore that I pulled. Okay, no, I was just curious because I just know there's Just some that. great bell makers. Yeah, sure. just totally these great bell makers that live inside and they ring these bells. And, There's uh, a lot of shit going on inside this. I mountain. know a lot of reports Soda now making crystals, little guys. Now, yes, you know some of this stuff might sound it's a little like crazy. A fucking circus in there. <laughs> it is. Um, so ships fine. Shasta Circus. Can we please get T-shirts? Copyright trademark. <laughs> now we'll get into uh, guys. This is where it gets serious. All right. This is uh, some of the missing cases up there. Now, this one comes from, uh, this case comes from an online forum, which w- uh, this story was later published in a series of books by uh, David Paulides, Paulides um, that eventually went on to become a documentary released uh, either this um, last year or 2016. It's called Missing 411. Um, check it out. It's a documentary on the phenomenon of people going missing in North America's national parks. Strange. Les Stroud, the guy from Survivor Man, he uh, is on there, like mm. explaining how this stuff, like, there's no possible way this could happen. It's uh, usually like people that are are missing are found near uh, creeks and rivers. Um, there's like a geographical clustering of disappearances, like same area. Um, bad weather usually occurs like just as the search party gets underway. Um, Swamps and briar patches are another common theme. Uh, Many disappearances occur in the late afternoon. And um, if the person is later found, they they have like no recollection or just won't talk about what happened. And they're often found in places that were previous searched, 
Like um, if they're alive, sometimes they're found in places that were previous searched, and even sometimes they're found dead like years later or just like bones are found in places that were searched like hundreds of times. So now we're going to have Adam read this one for us. We all know I can't read. I can't read. Last fall, my three-and-a-half-year-old grandson was lost in the Shasta Forest for five hours. Thanks to volunteers and rescue personnel, he was found. My son said he was there. Then within a second, he was gone. They thought he had been abducted by other campers. About three weeks after this happened, he was at my house, and out of the blue, he announced, I don't like the other Grandma Cappy, his name for my Grandma Kathy. I said, what are you talking about, buddy? I'm the only Grandma Cappy. He said, don't you remember when I was lost in the woods? Well, the other Grandma Cappy grabbed me and took me into a creepy place. She's really a robot. I was thinking he was telling a story, so I asked, what was creepy about it, and why do you think she was a robot? He said, it was a cave with spiders, and there were purses and guns. (laughs) (laughs) Is that funny? Did you mean to type lost in the woods? I copied this from the form. This sound like Elmer Fudd. No, I I found this on the original form. I was lost in the woods. (laughs) I didn't even see that. (laughs) I just started laughing when I was reading, like I was reading along. Well, I guess it's a little kid saying it. Yeah, that's why she wrote it. I'm just dying at purses and guns, man. (laughs) Sounds like a sweet place. Sounds like fucking two chains living room. Spiders and purses and guns. (laughs) He said, it was a cave with spiders and there were purses and guns. I was too scared, so I didn't touch anything. But when she climbed a ladder, the light made her look like a robot. There were other robots too, but they didn't move. So I asked, what did she do with you, buddy? She made me lay down and look at my tummy. Then she tried to get me (laughs) to I swear to God, you're fucking with me right now. No, this is a fucking crazy story, dude. Oh, my God. That's what happens when you get washed in the woods. (laughs) Oh, my God. This boy is laying down on his tummy. and She was looking at his tummy. Fake Grandma Cappy is trying to get him to poop on sticky paper, but he couldn't go. I don't blame him. I have. I can't go to the bathroom in public either. I don't want to know if someone's listening or watching me. She told me that I'm from outer space, and they put me in my mom's tummy. Then she took me back to the river and said to wait under the bush until someone found me. I called my son and asked, What the H are you letting my grandson watch on TV? And I told him what he said. He said that he told them the same story a few days ago, but chalked it up to having the smartest, most amazing kid with the biggest imagination ever. I'm grandma, so of course I have to agree. I know that kids have imaginations, but it was the pooping on sticky paper that makes me wonder. I've never watched a TV program that mentioned pooping on sticky paper. You guys are seriously fucking with me. Right? <laughs> I swear to God, this is the post, dude. I'll All show right. you the forum. Okay. Put this in the gist. Google it for the week. <clears throat> there were other details, too, but too much to list. One of the reasons I am bothered by this story is because I was camping in the same area the year before, and I woke up one morning face down in the dirt, out of my tent and sleeping bag. I had a puncture wound in the back of my head. I'm a grandma in my 50s. I don't sleep in the dirt. I was violently ill, too sick to even pack up and go home. I thought it was a spider bite. It took me a very long time to feel normal. I had no creativity, no emotions. My friend was camping with us. He was sleeping in his camper. He also had a bite 
in the back of his neck and was violently ill. We were in separate sleeping areas. Before we went to bed, there were red eyes shining through the trees in our flashlights. We thought a herd of deer were trying to get to the river, so we didn't think too much about it. But now I wonder. So what do we think of that? This lady wakes up face down in the dirt with a puncture wound in the back of her head and doesn't think to report that to anyone. She said she thought it was Some a spider bite. Forum. Dude, so if you're on a camping trip and you just woke up outside of your tent face down in the dirt, you'd be like, ah, must have just been a spider. Or the deer, man. This makes me think of uh, Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so during the same, you think that story's weird. Check this one out. I'm not reading this one. <laughs> yeah, I'll read this one. So uh, during the same uh, time period um, as the boys' disappearance, you know, fall, um, but in 2011, um, this was a Los Angeles um, area man was hiking um, the Pacific Crest Trail when he heard <laughs> the beautiful singing of a female voice coming from the direction of Mount Shasta. He wandered off the trail to follow it. Uh, becoming lost in the woods, he claims he was abducted and taken into a dark chamber in a cave, stripped of all his clothing. So far, so good in my book. A tall female with unnaturally blue eyes and strange clothing appeared to give him a gift and secret information, which he declined to provide details of. Now, I'd like to know what that gift was. <laughs> and he was reportedly was lost for several weeks and after surviving this ordeal, the person now believes he is the incarnation of a messianic Hindu god and has changed his name to Lord Kalki. Sounds more like Lord Alki. <laughs> now, now, you know, you can uh, say, hey, you know, all this stuff we're giving you is bullcrap, but you can't deny that there's been a, a history of just weird and strange stuff happening up here in Mount Shasta. There's something in the water up there. There's got to be something going on up here. I and think there's soda in, in these, the water. They're putting it in these sodas. <laughs> <laughs> Even though um, Mount Shasta in this day and age is seen as a uh, new age mecca, yeah, there's actually this like new age movement. It's called I Am like, Movement. I A.M.? Like I am that I am, like God. Like Like Sam I am. Hashtag I am. Like he said to Moses in the bush. Okay, I got you. Now, I didn't want to get into all that new age crystal stuff, but um, I figured we'd, you know, kind of focus on the whole alien aspect. But this this mountain is seen as a new age mecca. You know, they do like drum circles and chant stuff up there. All these hippies with their Bajas and their dreadlocks and their flip flops and their Birkenstocks. (laughs) Now, uh... The mountain does possess a very uh, dark side to its legacy, and Native American tribes who have lived in its shadow have acknowledged the presence of an ominous force on the mountain and have always respected, some say even feared, the spirits and powers that have resided within the mountain. Now, medicine men and women journeyed to the mountain for their spiritual training. But it was not a place anyone would go unless they had a spiritual reason of utmost importance to do so. Some tribes would not ascend Mount Shasta past the tree line on the upper slopes, which uh, this is similar, like uh, right before is where that fire line had stopped with that fog. Mm. You know, Stephen King fog. (laughs) Now, uh, 
That area was considered the dwelling place of powerful spirits and is held as a very dangerous place to visit. Any journey undertaken to approach the mountain's upper slopes involved careful preparations through prayer, fasting, sacred ceremonies, and guidance from a shaman. And if an individual of one of these tribes failed to heed these warnings and take the necessary precautions, the consequences would oftentimes result in them being seriously injured or vanishing and never returning. Anyone who disrespected the mountain might be punished by the so-called spirits who would lead people astray, terrify them, or drive them crazy. See, this to me sounds like a challenge, and it sounds like a trip we need to take. And that's a yes. Now, have you seen Poltergeist? I have not seen Poltergeist. If you disrespect the mountain, they will pop your ass. So, (laughs) Poltergeist... Pet Cemetery. What do these have in common? Native American legends, man. You don't fuck around with that stuff. But I'm game. <laughs> hey, man, this guy's got the tattoo. We're set. I think it'd be cool, man. We take some GoPros up there. I mean, this could be like a Blair Witch project. It could be oh, our no, first no, no. YouTube. No? I think we definitely get in with these bell makers, these aliens. Maybe we bring some of our own bells for safety. Some Shasta Cola. Yeah. Obviously. We're drinking Shasta. We're having a good time. We're meeting some aliens, mm-hmm. having some com. I'd like to meet those tall, nice aliens and talk about, you know, spirituality and I stuff. I want to meet them singing blue-eyed ones. I also want to get a guys. gift. I want to get a gift from a singing blue-eyed lady. <laughs> now, also... You're going up the mountain, you mean some little guys that are invisible sometimes. Sometimes they're not. Well, the little guys apparently aren't that nice to humans. They don't like them. Yeah, because they think we're fucking idiots. We're taking all their gifts. Yeah. We're climbing up their mountain. They don't want us to see what's at top, obviously. Now, atop. <laughs> now, I think I think we we go over there, you know, maybe we get freaking um beamed up into one of these ships that's refueling the base or this silver fleet or this purple pyramid intergalactic base, you know. We get beamed up like freaking Peter Quill mm. in Guardians. And boom, we're taken under the wing of some space alien, and we're having a blast. We're having adventures. Oh, Guardians, maybe a little Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. Worst case scenario, we trek 11 miles into the mountain. That's the worst case skeletons. What if you get abducted and probed? Or killed by the government, Department of Energy. I would rather get killed by the government than probed. Well, what about those other probes? What if you have to poop on a sticky paper? <laughs> <laughs> and you can't do it. That's part of the process. <laughs> They're going to make you do it. So I pulled one last quote here um, about the lore of uh, Mount Shasta. Reads, Mount Shasta has a tendency to reveal herself only to those who honor life, honor themselves for whom they truly are, honor the earth, and honor all other kingdoms sharing this planet. Hmm. So that pretty much sums it up. We're going to go take this trip. I don't want to camp there, so it's just going to be a day trip. In and out, man, like the burger joint. Anything else before we uh, get off on this one? <coughs> Shout out to the Nevins family. Um, last time I went up to Washington State, we drove through Mount Shasta and weed and all that good stuff. And good people I haven't connected with in over a decade. So, 
just wanted to, you know, if they're out there listening. Oh, dude, perfect. If you're out there. My boy lives in Redding. Shout out to Chris. We go up to Redding, spend the night there, get up early, check out Mount Shasta, come back. Hopefully we don't get abducted by aliens. Hopefully and then we do. Live from the top of Mount Shasta. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible, <laughs> but that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> we'll be back uh, hopefully next week if we can figure out this schedule. Um, and we'll have some more content for you guys. Once again, if you are interested in some stickers. Just got a fresh batch printed up. Go ahead and DM us on Instagram, Podcast from Outer Space. Or shoot us an email if you're still doing that, and we'll send you some stickers. And that is a fucking wrap, boys. Y'all come back now, yeah. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Also, uh, follow my new Instagram account, Judicial Ranch. (laughs) 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 Just found space